Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host, and this is episode three of season four. We're picking up where we left off last time in this series entitled Perfect Faith, His Faith, Not Ours. And this is an audio version of the book Perfect Faith, His Faith, Not Ours, podcast style. So that means it's not going to be exactly like an audio book, but everything that's in the book will be in this podcast. We're picking up in chapter 3, and in chapter 3, we're going to be talking about what it means to walk by faith. What are the requirements or prerequisites? I mean, we answer the question of how do we receive by faith, and how do we hear from God? I mean, have you ever wondered if you're actually walking by faith? If that's you, this chapter is for you. I want to say this, too, as well on a side note. Um, the book or the Bible that we primarily use or the translation is King James. That's what's in the book. However, while reading, I removed the old English construct but kept the original words. In other words, for example, the word knoweth, I use knows, or instead of ye, I will use you, and so on. So it makes it just a little bit more clear, at least for the reading. But in the book, the original structure of the Bible is right in in its context. Another thing I want to add as well is, again, we're a community of believers. We want to grow together, so this is not meant to be a one-sided affair where we're just strictly in your ears. And what I mean by that is that if you have questions, by all means, feel free to share or ask the questions, I should say, in the comments or in an email to me, Kurt at perfectfaith.org and and of course, if you want to find that uh, contact form just to get a hold of me, just go on to perfectfaith.org, which also has more information about us along with some tools, including the podcast, a weekly blog, some videos, and, and so on. But at any rate, you can email me, ask a question, or maybe you've got something that you want to share that the Lord's shown you in relation to what we've been talking about, or... Perhaps you've got some subject matters you'd like to see covered, and Lord willing, maybe we can get to them, and I'm not sure how fast, but I definitely will consider it and definitely get back to you. More than likely, we will. And uh, if, it's an a- if it's a question that we can answer, we'll give it. If it's a question we don't know, we'll just tell you, I don't know, or we don't know. But we'll definitely try to search out for the answer. Like I said, let's grow together. So by by all means, you know, comment, uh, leave a comment, subscribe to this if this has been helpful to you, and if it's been helpful to you, maybe share it with some friends or and write a v- review and so on. Again, we just want to get the word out there and just be a blessing to people. So without any further ado, we will jump into chapter three entitled "Receiving by Faith." How. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. Initially, we all come to receive faith by hearing the gospel message preached, as the Holy Spirit convicted us of sin, drew us on to repentance, and ultimately into a relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. That preaching might have been something we heard in a church service, on the TV, a friend sharing his or her faith, or even something we read. There are a variety of ways we may have heard, but faith did come. 
Walking by faith requires hearing, and hearing from God is a prerequisite for something to be truly called a step of faith or a work of faith. When Jesus spoke or did anything, he only spoke what he heard the Father say and only did what he saw the Father do. He waited on him. There are a variety of ways that God speaks to his people. Sometimes it's a matter of us being open to him. Hearing. The Lord's sheep knows his voice and will not follow the voice of a stranger. Let it be emphasized here. If his sheep hear his voice, then there is a voice to be heard. His voice comes by the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things, brings to remembrance what Jesus has said, and guides us in all truth. There are times Holy Spirit will speak to us through others by the word of knowledge, and that reveals what's going on. Word of wisdom tells us why it's going on or God's intent behind it and what to do. Or prophecy, which includes exhortation, comfort, and the telling of future events. If you don't feel like you hear God's voice, don't panic. You may be surprised to find you hear Him more than you realize. God has given everyone who receives the capacity to hear His voice. But keep in mind, we need to, be, we need to have a willingness to hear. And let me emphasize that again. God has given everyone the capacity to hear. We just simply have to have a willingness to listen to what He has to say. Stay open. Keep an open heart before Him. He wants to talk to you. All right. Moving along. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges, that is to say discerns, it's the same as discerned in verse 14, all things. But he that is spiritual judges or discerns all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 4 and verses 9 through 16. 
Paul didn't use the words of men, but spoke by the Holy Spirit. Similarly, Revelation, which is the unveiling of an already existing truth, comes by Holy Spirit. Along with that, he also gives us discernment. Discernment judges things or words, not people. By the Spirit, we, ju- by the Spirit, we judge what is spoken and not the person who speaks. We are judged of no man because we do not judge others. There is only one judge, and we are not him. Here's some food for thought. Being used of Holy Spirit from time to time does not necessarily make one spiritual. For example, if he uses someone to give a prophecy in a church service, and that person is still very judgmental of of others, he is not being spiritual in his ways. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no law. Where do we find judgmental in this passage? Those who are spiritual will display the fruit of the Spirit. They can discern the intents of people's hearts without becoming their judges. The purpose of discernment is not judgment, but reconciling people to God. Let me underscore that one. I'm going to read that again. Just let it sink into your heart. It's got to sink into all of our hearts. The purpose of discernment is not judgment, but reconciling people to God. We are to bear one another's burdens by extending mercy, which includes restoring those overtaken in a fault, not condemning them for it. Let's not forget that we all have have been overtaken in faults in our past life, but God reconciled us unto himself by the precious blood of Jesus Christ because of his great love. But you have received an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. But the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has been taught you, you shall abide in Him. It's 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 27. The word unction in verse 20 is rendered as anointing in verse 27. Essentially, it means a smearing or an endowment of the Holy Spirit, or that is to say, ability or gift of the Holy Spirit. It enables the believer to possess knowledge of the truth. Keep in mind that these verses are not saying that we do not need teachers. Otherwise, Jesus would not have given them to us, as found in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. Many believers hear or are led by the unction. It is then that they will will say, I sense the Lord telling me. I feel led to. Or whether or not things bear witness. The unction gives us that sense of, yes, that's right, when we hear something, taught for the first time. Or, no, that just doesn't seem right. The unction works as a safeguard and will protect us if we will pay attention to it. For example, boy, something just doesn't feel right. 
It gives us discernment, which is alluded to in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 27. Through it, we can distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit and from that of man's of another per, in another person. The unction is more than a gut feeling. It gives you specific discernment. The Lord will also use the unction to speak to us through Scripture and in so doing, allow it to become the Word of God to us. In this, He instructs, encourages, or even convicts us. There have been many instances where people have been led to go to a certain passage in the Bible that gave them direction or answers to their circumstances. A helpful hint to all of us is the more time we spend in His Word, the easier the solutions come our way. Salah. Stop and think about it. Again, there must be a willingness to listen to what the Lord has to say if we're going to truly hear Him. If we are not willing we seriously impede our ability to hear. The more submitted we are to Holy Spirit, the more we are able to hear His voice. If we are unwilling to hear His full counsel, could we, we be, could we be walking in rebellion or fear? Could we be demanding our own way, thus unwilling to listen to anything contrary? If one is afraid of what God has to say, is it because he or she doesn't trust him? Remember, perfect love casts out fear. Perhaps love is the key. Presumption Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 through 21. A teaching that has been circulated says, The Bible interprets itself. This is not true. The only interpreter of the Bible is the Holy Spirit, who uses Scripture to bring its meaning to light. Saying the Bible interprets itself is really another way for man to interpret it. It's still subject to man's understanding, making the interpretation subject to error. The Bible is spiritually discerned and therefore requires the Spirit, not human intellect. Under the premise of the Bible interpreting itself, someone who is self-serving could easily become self-deceived. Furthermore, it can be used in a deceptive way to manipulate people into following someone's own agenda. Let me interject something here too, by the way. This might make it easier in understanding the Bible. Think of the Bible as something that is relational in nature. In other words, don't look at it as some sort of textbook where you're trying to figure things out. But rather, it's meant to be something where we are in relation with God, in relation with Holy Spirit, where He's able to instruct us out of the Word and making it truly the Word of God to us. So don't stress if things don't come right away. Let me throw this out as well. Don't stress out if something doesn't make sense in a passage of Scripture immediately. Just understand that your spirit gets it. It's just your soul and your mind need to catch up to what the Spirit's already learned. It's okay. You'll get it. He'll make sure you get it. God doesn't write things just to keep it from us. There is another similar teaching that states, The Bible is the will of God. To be sure, it does express God's will, but it still takes 
the Holy Spirit to interpret the intent of what God is revealing through it. To put things in perspective, the disciples did not understand many things Jesus said during his earthly ministry until they later received Holy Spirit. In the same way, we need Holy Spirit to instruct us in order to understand the Bible. Presumption takes things for granted. It's a state of mind that assumes things are, to be tr- are true without evidence. It's a point of view where belief is based on probability. It is an attitude that can be very self-serving and that it will often overstep, overstep its bounds. Being presumptuous can also be a sign of immaturity in a believer. It doesn't take into account the principle of deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me, which will be covered later in the book. When people operate by presumption, calling it faith, there is no real hope involved because God did not say or promise. Without hope, the so-called faith is vain. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and whosoever has not, from him shall be taken even that which he seems to have. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Often our perception of things can be tainted by our motives. It affects the way we listen and whether we are receptive to what's being presented to us. For instance, if our motives are selfish in nature, Anything put forward that is contrary to our desires will tend to be ignored. This also applies to listening to the voice of God. Once again, the question is when we say we want to hear God's voice, do we really mean we want to hear the totality of what He has to say? This is a big one. If you find Him to be silent, it might be a good time to examine your heart to see if you are unwilling to listen to everything He has to say. If you are not willing, why aren't you? Similarly, we can easily overlook things in Scripture because we want the Bible to bend to our way of thinking. Let's face it, from time to time, we all have had strongholds that have interfered with seeing principles in the Bible. How many of us had an idea of the way things should be, even when they did not line up with Scripture? Those are presumptuous, those who are presumptuous will also tend to pick up scriptures that suit their fancy while overlooking others. In conjunction with heeding how we listen, the principle let everyone be swift to hear and slow to speak comes into play. How often have we missed what someone has said to us because we were more concerned about what we were going to say next? Have we ever said something rash? because we did not listen to everything that was said. Had we actually listened to every point, it's likely we wouldn't have had to pull our foot out of our mouths. Have you ever made a bad decision based on partial information that you would have never made if you were paying closer attention to detail? It pays to slow down and really listen. The same thing applies to studying the Word of God. Instead of rushing through the verses of Scripture in order to meet some goal, it would behoove us to take a more methodical approach. 
There are countless details overlooked when the concern is more about volume than content. Keep in mind that the Lord really wants to speak to us through the Scriptures. But if we're just flying through the chapters, we can fail to see what He's trying to show us. It pays to listen well when someone is trying to teach us from the Bible, even when we think we already know what's being taught. Or, even if we are not in agreement with the teaching. The Holy Spirit might use it to bring more revelation about what we know already or bring correction to what we think we know to be true. Being slow to speak comes with a teachable spirit. We cannot go into the Bible and pick a bunch of scriptures that fit our desires and then call it faith. That's presumption in action. Faith has to come from the throne, not the self. On one hand, we definitely stand on the Word of God in the sense of His promises to us. On the other hand, we cannot use the Bible as some sort of magic book to fulfill our personal lusts. Consider the following as an example. Once upon a time, there was a man named Lawrence who desired to buy a car of his dreams. He was used to having things his way for so long, consequently he still fought with presumption even as a believer. Since this was the car, he decided it must be God's will for him to have it. Wanting also to be known for his faith, he searched for a couple scriptures that would confirm his presumption as the will of God. He always loved Psalm 37.4, which says, He shall give you the desires of your heart. Overlooking the first part of the verse that says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. John 14.14 had his attention as well. This is where Jesus said, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But what Lawrence failed to realize was that the word ask is actually submissive in nature. It means to make a request as an inferior to a superior in order to fulfill the mission. The request must meet the requirements of the mission, i.e., the will of God, in order for it to be granted. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. Using something godly to fulfill a lust or to manipulate others is presumption or rebellion. Nevertheless, if the Lord intended Lawrence to have the car, He would have spoken to his heart and confirmed it, which may have included the usage of Scripture. Preparation Perhaps God has given us a promise, but it's nowhere in sight. Could it be that there are some preparations that need to be made? Often in the Christian community, God's timing becomes a catchphrase that is used when something does not come to pass when we think it should. When anticipating a promise, it would serve us well to remember that His timing is loaded with preparations. It's likely a work needs to be done in our heart before we can fully receive and engage the promise once it's in hand. Sometimes character changes are in order. One example would be Jacob, whose name means heel catcher or surplanter, which is someone who 
supersedes or changes places with another by force or treachery, which is depicted by his very character even in his earliest beginnings. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And we follow Jake, as we follow Jacob's life, we see time and again that he fit his name. In Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34, we see Jacob manipulating his own brother Esau to sell his birthright to him. Later, Jacob would trick his father Isaac into giving him Esau's blessing. Jacob would reap what he had sown when Laban, his father-in-law-to-be, would trick him into marrying his eldest daughter Leah instead of Rachel, for whom Jacob had agreed to serve for seven years. He would have to serve Laban an additional seven years to gain Rachel's hand in marriage. As we continue to follow his life, we see a change take place. His name would later become Israel, which means he will rule as God or wrestler with God. We see other character and name changes in the Bible, including Abraham and Sarah, who were once Abram and Sarai. The Apostle Paul was once known as Saul of Tarsus. Each had to undergo changes before fulfilling their destinies. Similarly, if we are praying for something that just never comes to pass, no matter how hard we pray, perhaps we need to consider, From whence comes wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. There may be times our motives aren't as pure as we would like to believe. In some instances, We could be praying through a lust, which, in many times, God won't oblige unless there are lessons to be learned. It always pays to ask God for wisdom. If if this passage in James does not apply, then wait on Him. His timing is perfect. Delight yourself in the Lord and allow Him to place His perfect will in your heart, and then see what happens when you pray. Salah. The Bible is the standard of comparison and in terms of what we hear. If something said is assuredly contrary to the written word, then we know it is not from God. Study to see if these things be so, just as the Bereans did in Paul's day. And that ends chapter 3. It's a little bit longer than the last one. But again, we're trying to lay a firm foundation on what it means to walk by faith. So with that, we're going to close out here and now. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving my brothers and sisters divine revelation. I thank you begin to uncover your word to them in ways that they've never seen, that you answer those questions that they've had for so long and make it clear to them. Thank you for just making them see what you want them to see. Bless them in their comings and their goings. Again, let their households be a place of sanctuary, a place where you dwell in their hearts with most with most confidence in their own heart and mind. Pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.